American football in Finland. I don't think that they have the the tenacity as a team to want to pull this upset. <laughs> and they have to simply do what they do. They don't need to get fancy. A lot of times teams this good, they get so bored, they start to do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. I think they just need to come out and do what they've been doing. I, I, I don't care what nobody say, but when it comes playoff time, them boys step up. And I know from experience. Uh, I'm going to go Roosters, obviously. That's how good he was. Like, he was that guy for that team. American football in Finland. The voice in your ears right now is Perfect Purpose, and this is American football in Finland. First time listeners, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy brutally honest football analysis and opinions because I'm all out of bullshit. Returning followers and AFF faithful, you know what it is. T-I-F. Let's talk about Week 10 in the Maple League. Uh, these three games that are played, finally three games played instead of two games. Pretty much, they're kind of setting the tone for the second half of the season. Now we're looking at two top teams, the Helsinki Roosters, Kuopio Steelers. Obviously, the Roosters were the better team. They beat the Steelers. And then you had the Crocodiles beating the Butchers, which was an upset. But the way that the teams are looking right now, it's not even an upset. It's just like the better team won. And then also the Wassel Royals beat the Tampa Saints, which was supposed to be a close game in the first place. And now things are getting set up. I, I love this week because it basically opened up the league. You have the Wassel Royals, Tampa Saints, Crocodiles, and Butchers are all at two and five or three and five or two and four and, and three and five. Like they're all in the same little area. So every game from now on is win or go home. The Royals just came from sixth to third place by beating the Saints because now they have three wins and everyone below them only has two wins. Now, if anybody goes wins a game, they're going up. If they lose a game, they're going down. Uh, the only teams that don't have too much to worry about moving down is the Quobio Steelers and the Helsinki Roosters. But these games this week, they really showed the differences between these teams as they go forward towards his last stretch of games in the Maple League. So it's interesting. Let's get into it. Thursday night, the Helsinki Roosters traveled to Kuopio and beat the Steelers 56-30. to Let's look at the numbers. Total yards, the Roosters only had 502 compared to the Steelers, who actually had 536. Offensive plays, this is a stat I added just for this game. The Roosters had 48 offensive plays. The Steelers had 102 offensive plays. Also, let's look at time of possession. The Roosters had 15 minutes and 4 seconds of time of possession, while the Steelers had 32 minutes and 56 seconds. The Steelers actually had 10 and a half minutes of possession in the 12-minute third quarter of the game. They really controlled the ball throughout the game. Turnovers, Roosters had 0. Steelers had 1 fumble. Third down conversions, Roosters were 7 for 10 for 70%, while the Steelers were 11 for 25 for 44%. But we got to add it to the fourth down conversions in this game. Roosters were 0 for 1. Steelers were 7 for 10 for 70%. So if you need to do the quick math, the Roosters on third and fourth down were 64%, which is really good, while the Steelers were only 51% overall continuing their drives in this game. Key players for the team, let's go over the Roosters. Brandon Connett, the quarterback, was 15 for 24, had 211 yards for five touchdowns, also had six rushes for 93 yards. 
Henry Usula, the running back, had nine rushes for 103 yards, two touchdowns, one reception for a 57-yard touchdown. Wide receiver Adam Connett had five receptions, 87 yards, two touchdowns. On the defensive side, Nico Quick, defensive back, had seven and a half tackles. Curtis Top Shelf Slater had seven and a half tackles. A linebacker, Sammy Toivonen, also had seven tackles. For the Steelers, Seth Peters, quarterback, was 27 for 53, 304 yards with one touchdown. Uh, running back Charles Ward had 17 rushes for 111 yards, had two receptions for 67 yards. And also running back Ville Lindstein had 19 rushes for 80 yards, two touchdowns. He also had two receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown. Tino Nadongo, the receiver from the Steelers, had eight receptions, 68 yards. On the defensive side, Donovan Hayden, the linebacker, had 10.5 tackles, one tackle for a loss, one PBU. All right, let's talk about this Roosters versus Steelers games. I don't have a lot to say. I mean, the Roosters were a better team, and they kind of dominated throughout. But just watching the game, if you watch this first half and you don't watch the scores, you just watch the play in between the numbers, both teams going up and down the field. Obviously, both defenses weren't that good. But the difference in this game was that early in the game, the Steelers made mistakes. They missed opportunities to score, not just didn't play well. They drove the field on the Roosters, and, I mean, they used all four plays each time. Either third or fourth down, they were converting and extending these drives and basically being a thorn in the side for the Helsinki Roosters defense because they think, okay, we got them to third and long. Okay, they got half of it. They're going to punt. No, they're going to go for it on fourth, and then they're going to convert. Like, that's what they did the whole game. And watching it, you're thinking, okay, this team is hanging with them offensively. And then they get close to scoring, and that's when the mistakes would happen. You got the Charles Wart fumble on the goal line. Later, you got a fourth and four. Wart runs right towards the, the pylon and then kind of gets shoved out of bounds on the edge instead of sticking his foot in the ground and hitting somebody to get into the end zone. That third missed opportunity and basically mistake was a wide open receiver in the end zone I really don't say your name well. I just know he's number 12, last name Vilpanen, I think. This guy, he dropped the ball. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, but you got to catch a wide open pass that hits you in the chest in the end zone on a third and 10 that could give your team life in this game. They were down 21 to 6 at that point, and they never recovered because at that point, by the game, by the time the game was at halftime, it was 28 to 6. They had missed three opportunities where they easily, not well, not easily, well, they missed three opportunities where they could have scored. Three opportunities where you're less than a yard or actually in the end zone and you don't score, that's the difference in this game. That's why the Steelers didn't win. And I don't want to make it sound like the Roosters didn't play well, but the Roosters defense does what the Roosters defense does. They let you get as much as you can and then they don't let you score. And that's why they won this game because the Roosters are who the Roosters are. Um, on the offensive side, for the Roosters, they did really good. Uh, only had 48 plays, so they had to be very consistent. They featured Henry Usla in this game. It was really cool to see him kind of do a lot of running and be explosive. But I also want to give credit to the offensive line. Henry didn't have to break a lot of tackles, make a lot of people miss. 
this offensive line was creating lanes. Like, he was choosing where he wanted to run and using his speed to outrun the defenders because, you know, Henry Usula, his daddy taught him how to run, so he's pretty fast. Besides that, it was really good on the offensive side for the Roosters. One thing I noticed, those receivers from the Roosters team, them guys block downfield. Ask Henry Usula about it. He's running downfield, and he's got no one to, to beat in the secondary because Tommy Penta, Alexander Walsliev, or is it Walsliev? Sorry. Uh, Alexander Walsliev, Adam Connett, Kimmy L. I'm not going to try to say your name, Kimmy. But all these guys are downfield blocking defensive backs this entire game. In a game where they really didn't have to. They could have easily just phoned it in and got passes in the red zone and got a couple more catches. But these Roosters, this team, they showed effort throughout this game. They played very hard, and they played to win. It really says a lot about the team, the organization, the coaching staff, that these receivers, who usually a receiver is more of a prima donna or diva-type position, they were down there grinding for their, their running back when he was running his ball in this game. Uh, what else about this game? Going back to the Steelers, defensively, it is what it is, man. Y'all going to give up points. That's how y'all play. The Steelers have a very simple strategy. We're going to let every team score at least 35 because we know we can score 40. Or we're going to let every team score 30 because we know we can score 35. And it works against every team except for when they're playing the Roosters because the Roosters can actually stop their offense sometimes, make those big plays, and their offense can actually put up 50, which they did in this game. They put up. 50 again on them. A set for the second time, they put up 50 on them. Again, the Steelers' offense played really good in this game. It's hard to say that considering they – I mean, they did score 30 points, but they only had six at halftime. But honestly, this team should have had 28 at half or at least 21 at half. Like, they played really well against the starters in the first half of this game before it got out of hand. Just they didn't finish their drives. They had – a lot of long drives. They had a 10-minute drive, an 8-minute drive, some 4- and 5-minute drives. They had 32 minutes of time of possession in a 48-minute game. So basically, the Roosters got the ball, scored quick. The Steelers got the ball, had to work hard because they're playing against the best defense in the Maple League, yet they still got down the field. They outgained the Roosters in yards because they were driving in the entire length of the field. But when it came gut check time when it came time to show your hand time to make the play put it in the end zone they couldn't do it and they got to figure out a way to do that against the roosters not against all these other teams in the maple league this is the one game that they can't do it in they can't finish their drives against the roosters and that's what really was separating this game a good game by both teams to me uh i know defense is you know that's optional here in the big 12 maple league but I feel like the Roosters' defense stood strong when they needed to, and they stepped up and made the plays that were available to them. But mostly, these two offenses went at it two totally different ways. You had one that drove the field and one that was quick scoring. But I liked them both, so it was a fun game to watch. Can't wait to see what these teams do for the rest of the season. If you like the AFF podcast, be sure to check out my website, perfectpurpose.com, for more football. I have new articles published daily about football in Suomi, interview articles on import players from around the globe, and I dabble in the interest topics about different aspects of American football on the international level. If you want more football, go to perfectpurpose.com and follow me as I observe football around the world. 
Saturday afternoon, the Crocodiles beat the Butchers 23-17. to Let's look at the numbers. Total yards, Crocs had 203 compared to the Butchers 205. Third down conversions, the Crocs were 1 for 11, which is 9%, while the Butchers were 4 for 12, which was 33%. They both were horrible on third down conversions. Uh, the real, the big stat of the game, turnovers. Crocs had zero turnovers in this game, while the Butchers had five. The Butchers had three fumbles and two interceptions. Key players in this game, let's go for the Crocodiles. Quarterback Jonathan Baker was 11 for 12, 172 yards, one touchdown. Running back Christian Powell had 13 attempts for 42 yards, but he also had two receptions for 60 yards and a 57, I want to say 57-yard touchdown in this game. Uh, receiver Anthony Brooks had five receptions, 44 yards, one touchdown. Linebacker Yaska Vardinen had seven tackles. Defensive lineman Jamichael Edwards-Lott had five tackles, three tackles for loss. And young linebacker Sado Jallo. Is that how you say it? Damn it. I'm sorry, man. Sado Jallo or Sado Yallo had four and a half tackles, two pass breakups. For the Butchers, quarterback Yanni Lettinen was 12 for 23, 133 yards, two interceptions with one rushing touchdown. Running back Darian Hall had 16 rush attempts, 75 yards, but he also had two kickoff returns for 115 yards, including a 65-yard touchdown. Uh, Miko Seppinen had five receptions, 53 yards. Linebacker Nico Penninen had four tackles. Defensive back Mitch Daly had three and a half tackles. And linebacker Sebastian Carbon had three and a half tackles and two pass breakups. Uh, just notable, Darren Hall had 200 all-purpose yards for the Butchers, so he did a little bit more as an all-purpose player than just rushing in this game. This game was about the turnovers. The Butchers made way too many turnovers, five compared to the Crocodiles only having zero turnovers. Even when doing that, the Butchers actually gave the Crocodiles points with one of their turnovers where uh, Max and the Falcons picked up the fumble and scored a touchdown. The Crocodiles looked okay. They didn't look great. You had six different receivers dropping passes in this game because the field was wet, I know, but I don't care. If the ball hits your hands, you know, you got to catch it, right? But for the Butchers, the Butchers' offense just looked bad. It looked like it didn't know what it wanted to do. It didn't stick with anything consistently. And then even when you thought maybe something was going well, they'd have a turnover. They'd have a fumble. Darian Hall fumbled the ball. That was surprising. That horrible call where the referees called it a fumble when young Razzle Dazzle dropped the bubble pass. The two interceptions that Yane threw, now those were forced. Big shout out to big man Jamichael Edwards Lott because on both of those passes, he was hitting Yane when he threw those balls and they both came out as ducks. You've seen them on the film. Those were ducks that came out of there. Those, I give credit to the Crocodiles defense for making those plays. But overall, Butch's offense just looked mundane looked like it didn't want to do anything in this game which is surprising because it was a rain game you have a running team in a rain game you expect them to do well but the butchers offensive line which is so heralded in this league could not stop the crocodiles defensive unit the crocodiles defensive front won the battle of the trenches and it showed for the rest of the game that's why the butchers couldn't pass 
But even when they tried to run, they didn't really get a lot of yards. I mean, Darren Hall only had 75 yards rushing. If he hadn't had a 65-yard kickoff return, he would have been null and void in this game, which is crazy because Darren Hall is one of the best running backs in the league. So the biggest takeaway in this game is that the Butchers' offense just wasn't up to the task of playing against this, I want to say, new Crocodiles team. Uh, The defense has made a couple of changes, but – Overall, it's the same defense we've seen all year. It's just their offense isn't killing them. So for the Butchers, they need to figure something out on offense. you got to be able to score, get the ball down the field. Even when they got the ball down the field at certain times, the fumble on the two-yard line, as unfortunate as it is, in this type of game, the Butchers needed those big plays. They just didn't get them when they needed them, and they gave the Crocodiles way too many chances in this game. Butchers defense, on the other hand, you guys played decent. You played well. I think that both of these offenses didn't play great. The game was close throughout. Butchers had chances to take the lead and maybe and instead they gave the ball to the Crocs. What the Crocs did was when they had chances, they took their shots, they made their big plays, and then they went back to playing, you know, we can't really move the ball offense. And that worked in this game because you're playing a similar team. Uh, this game was actually really boring to watch because both offenses kind of just mulling back and forth I mean it was three to zero at halftime and I was like man should I go take a nap but I didn't I stayed and watched the second half and they did start scoring there were plays that were made in the second half that made the game more interesting but really without a couple of these big plays like that Darian Hall touchdown and even the Christian Powell run without those plays man this would have been a snooze fest and that a little bit of credit to both teams though you were playing in difficult weather conditions, and both teams played pretty conservative in the game. And I think it was because you're so evenly matched. It was a, a kind of, you know, back and forth, back and forth, both offense getting a little bit, but not a lot. Um, don't think both defenses were great. I think the Crocodiles made more plays defensively, but the Butchers' defense was really just trying not to give up too many big plays. And that conservative play showed, and that's why they lost the game. They just weren't going at them like they could or wanted to. And obviously, if you see me on the streets, you're going to tell me, well, you know, we have all these injuries and da-da-da. Well, you got to play the game. And in this game, Crocodiles were a better team. This is really surprising for the Maple League. Shout out to the Crocodiles, man. I said change my mind. I think y'all have. Uh, this second half of the season, you got two wins now. You're on a consecutive street. Kudos to that. Looking like, I mean, if I was to randomly predict right now, it looks like you could probably win another two games. So four wins in a season isn't bad. Good job, Crocs. Way to change my mind. Uh, butchers out there, guys, uh, you're upsetting me. That's all I'm going to say. What's up? Are you enjoying the AFF podcast? Damn right you are. Well, let the world know you enjoy the show. Follow AFF on the Podbean app. Just head over to AmericanFootballFinland.Podbean.com and hit that follow button. You can also find the podcast by searching for American Football in Finland on the Podbean app. Thursday night, the Wassel Royals beat the Tampa Saints 27-13. Let's get into the numbers of that game. Total yards, Royals had 337, while the Saints had 353 Royals actually were outgained by the Saints in this game, but an interesting fact was they were 7-for-8 in the pass game with 133 pass yards. They were very efficient. 
third down conversions. Royals were five for 11, 45% complete conversion rate. Saints were six for 10, 60%. In the red zone, this is an interesting stat I added because it's so relevant in this game. The Royals were three for three in scoring while in the red zone, while the Saints were one for three. Um, the Saints lost by two scores. I mean, these are just facts. Turnovers. Royals had zero. The Tampa Saints had four turnovers, two fumbles and two interceptions. Again, these facts are damning because they tell you what happened in this game before I even get to it. But moving on to player stats, uh, Isaac Fisher for the Royals quarterback was 7 for 8, 133 yards, one passing touchdown with two rushing touchdowns, had a 21-yarder and a QB sneak. Justin Williams, the running back for the Royals, had 32 rush attempts, 164 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 5.1 yards to carry with those 32 uh, attempts. Jerome Valbin, the tight end, had three receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Nicholas Peterson, wide receiver, had two receptions for 49 yards. On the defensive side of the ball for the Royals, Michael Taylor, linebacker, had six tackles, one forced fumble, and one pass breakup. Linebacker Stacey Thomas had four tackles, and defensive back Denny John had four tackles, three PBUs. For the Saints, quarterback Kyle Nolan was 13 for 33, 192 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and he also had 89 rush yards. Running back Tuka Lettinen had nine rush attempts for 71 yards and one touchdown. Receiver Mickey J had five receptions, 119 yards, one touchdown. Defensively for the Saints, Tony Ballin led all tacklers with 10 and a half tackles. Okay, talking about Saints versus the Royals. The Royals were the better team in this game. Obviously, they showed it throughout. They kind of controlled the entire game. Royal Saints kind of just looked like they were just floundering, trying to figure stuff out as they went. The Royals ran the ball 44 damn times. 44 times. They ran the ball. You knew they were going to run the ball. And when they did run the ball, they still got almost four or five yards per carry. I mean, obviously, Justin Williams wasn't the only one running it, but he averaged five yards a carry on 32 rushes. That's like Madden-type numbers. I don't know what the Saints were doing because you have to figure something out, forcing them to throw the ball, which when the Royals did throw the ball in this game, they were seven for eight. Only dropped one pass and had 133 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's as efficient as you can be for a team that says, we're not even going to pass the ball 10 times. But when we do pass it, we're going to complete it and get yards and even get a touchdown. And they did it so often with the same play action, which obviously the play action works when you're running the ball 44 times in this game. But I have to say, like, the Saints – you had nothing for them. The Saints didn't have anything to force them into a passing situation, to force them out of the run game, and then they couldn't stop the run game itself. So therefore, easily, the Royals just controlled the, the whole tempo of this game and looked like they were controlled the entire time. The Saints, on the other hand, uh, shot themselves in the foot. Four turnovers in a game where a team is going to be running the ball, controlling the clock, every turnover was costing you not one, but almost two possessions because time of possession that the other team was going to have it, especially when your defense can't stop them. So the Saints basically screwed themselves over every time they had a turnover, which was on the first play of the game. First play, nobody blocks Michael Taylor off the edge. He comes in, hits just tiny. It's a fumble. Is it Judge's fault? Is it the offensive line's fault? I don't know. 
But the Saints gave up the ball, and then uh, 33 yards later, the Royals are in the end zone. So that's how it goes. Saints, they just play like the Saints have been playing all year. Up and down, up and down. When you expect that they, they should beat a team, like I picked them to win this game, they go out and they lose. Very impressed with the Royals. The way you guys bounce back after that Crocodiles loss, that's really good for you. Kind of getting a better picture of how teams are going to play towards the end of the season. But the Saints are really just the one team that is disappointed all year. Uh, last year, it was the Homelina Huskies that was constantly disappointing. And even the Royals were disappointed at the beginning of the year. This year, it's the Tampa the Saints. I've deemed it. Uh, last year, I did not talk about the Saints enough. Did not know enough to talk about the Saints. This year, I do know enough. And I am deeming the Tampa the Saints the letdown of the season. If you guys don't make the playoffs, if you guys don't get it together and turn it around by the end of this season, then you are the letdown of this season. You're the team that let everyone down. Now, I got to do both sides. I don't want to sound like I'm just talking about the Saints. Royals, you're doing your damn thing, man. Running the ball and saying, no apologies. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball great. Offensively, it sounds kind of boring, like, oh, all they did was run the ball. They didn't just hand the ball off to Justin Williams and run the dive 44 times or 32 times. He had 32 carries. They did a lot of different types of runs. There were pitches. There were tosses. There were dives. There was fullback dives. There was counters. There was traps. They moved the ball through the run game in a lot of different ways. And that's the thing that's difficult to stop, and I understand that from the Saints' point of view. But if you're playing a team that runs the ball, you got to know they're going to do more than just run the damn ISO. So with that, kudos to the Royals. Another interesting thing about this game was the Royals' defense. I noticed that the guys, the defense came out very vanilla early. You know, had a four-down lineman, three linebackers, or a nickel set if you consider Stacey Thomas a nickel backer. I don't know your schemes that well, guys, but that's what it sound, That's what it looked like on the field, and they stopped the run. Once they stopped the run, I noticed that they actually were mixing their defense and putting six defensive backs on the field and forcing the Saints to either run the ball or pass it very efficiently. And the Saints sometimes took that and actually did run the ball, but when it came to trying to pass it more efficiently, they weren't able to do what they needed to do to sustain drives against the six defensive backs, only three linemen, for the Royals at times, and they were still getting pressure with just those three linemen. Hats off to Laurie Hanala and the rest of that crew because you guys were in the backfield a lot of times, which, great segue. This is crazy. This is a great segue because it leads into, why is Kyle Nolan the leading rusher? He had 89 rushing yards, and a lot of it was scrambling because the 6'6 quarterback, for some reason, nobody in this league thinks he can run, and he has shown that he is very, very deceptively agile, fleet-footed, and he can make plays with his feet, and that's what he did. He had 89 yards rushing. A lot of third and fourth down and longs, he'd run and pick up 10 to 12 yards. He wasn't picking up like chump change, like three and four-yard scrambles. He was getting very long runs because he was evading pressure and then just running. He's 6'6". One step is like six yards for this guy. But in this game, even though he was the leading rusher for the Saints, it wasn't enough to like change the way the Royals' defense worked. When it really came down to it, the Saints didn't have a go-to guy. Kyle Nolan made a lot of errant throws in this game. No one really stood stood out. Tuka Lexington did a great job running. 
when the runs were there. But when it really came down to make a play or not make a play, the Saints couldn't because the Royals could. Uh, kudos to the Royals. Uh, last thing I want to talk about this game, big shout-out to Isaac Fisher. Dude, like you just show up big when you need to show up big. I love it. Isaac Fisher, the big play guy. On a team that runs the ball excessively, he still stands out as a, both a runner and a thrower as a quarterback. In this game, there was a situation where they did a play-action pass. The play-action was shitty. I'm just going to say it. It was horrible. There was confusion or something. And then Isaac had to escape pressure, and then he turns his hips, sets his feet, and launches the ball. And I'm thinking, oh, he's just throwing it. And it goes right to Nico Peterson, and not like in his area it goes right where his hands are and there's a defender draped on him and obviously nico is nico so he makes the catch but what i really saw there was isaac fisher the gunslinger he's clutch he's clutch and i think if he continues to be clutch like this later in the season you're going to see him be the difference maker for the Wasser royals when he needs the most even on that play action uh play action bootleg play where he's 21 yards I mean, he sold that play action. Isaac Fisher sold it, got deep, got outside, and then outran two defensive backs. Two defensive backs. He outran two defensive backs 21 yards to the corner and made that touchdown on a fourth and three play that obviously could have went either, any way. No, no routes were run. It wasn't a scramble. It was a pure, you better get there, and he did. He didn't just get three. He got 21 and a touchdown. Just wanted to shout out to Isaac Fisher, man. He's doing big stuff, and I like it. But that's all I got to say about that game, man. It, it was decent. It's very good to see the change of the guard between these two teams. See one team kind of step up a little bit more than the other. Great game by the Royals. Saints, you're letting me down. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I have to take this time to give some of my listeners a much-needed wake-up call. It's 2018, people. If you're listening to this podcast from a link, you're doing it wrong. Just follow American Football in Finland on the Podbean app and get instant notifications when new episodes are published. If you're too lazy to use the Podbean app, that's okay. AFF is also on the iTunes podcast app. So just type in American Football in Finland and click the subscribe button. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating while you're at it. And Android users can subscribe on Google Play. It's 2018, people. Keep up. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Uh, there won't be any games next week because of the EU championships. I haven't decided yet, but stay tuned. I might or I might not. I really haven't decided because of my schedule. But I might do some episodes about the EU Championship games. Maybe I do Finland. Maybe I do some international teams, interviews, players, coaches. Who knows? I'm not even sure yet, guys. So just stay tuned. You'll see the updates. That's it this time. And never forget TIF. American Football in Finland is now on iTunes. Please rate the show and subscribe today. If you really like the podcast, follow AFF on the Podbean app. Search American Football in Finland and hit that follow button. And for all you loyal AFF listeners, we are now accepting Podbean patrons. Click become a patron on the AFF page and pledge your loyalty. Thanks for listening. 
American football in Finland.